Motherhood is an invitation into a world that is, among many things, largely uncomfortable. For many, discomfort comes knocking early in pregnancy and generally refuses to leave. Our mistake as mothers is that we often expect the unwanted aches and pains to leave once our baby has exited the womb, and in part, this is true. However, it isn't long after the stirrups are folded and put away that a new kind of discomfort comes knocking at your door. I have been a mother now for 24 years. I don't have it all figured out, but there are some things I've learned along the way. And today, we're going to talk about it. Welcome to Walking on Water, where our focus is to learn to walk by faith and not by sight. What's the storm in your life? I'll never say it's easy, but Jesus changes our perspective. He gives us courage to do life differently, to throw off the victim mentality that threatens to drown us in our pain. He gives us the tools we need to live a victorious life. I'm your host, Lynette Carpenter. Let's discover more about the power-filled, faith-filled life Jesus invites us to live. Hey, 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 welcome to another episode of Walking on Water. If this is your first time here, thank you so much for stopping by. I hope that you find encouragement and hope as you listen in today. For those of you who've been listening for a while, I'm so honored and thankful for each time that you stop by and take a listen. I thank you so much for the encouraging words um, that I've been hearing from so many of you. I appreciate it so much. Um, This is a joy for me. I enjoy doing this but I also want it to be something that you enjoy and that you find hope and encouragement in as well. I will ask, though, if you've been listening for a while, could you take a moment to stop by um, your Apple podcast where you can do a rating and even a review, and that just helps bolster this um, program and other people can find it more easily so that more people can find encouragement and hope and all the things as well. So one of my favorite subjects to talk about is parenting, and that's what we're going to be looking at today. Um, And it's kind of going to be a little bit of a step on our toes kind of conversation, Um, but it's not meant to be painful. Well, it is a little bit painful for myself even, but it's, um, it's meant to be something that gives us the tools that we need to help encourage our children to help point them towards the Lord. And so strap on your steel-toed shoes, because here we go. Um, It was a September Sunday, the day that my first child was born. I have four children. Tim and I have four children together. And um, we have three boys and one daughter. And they are, our youngest is now 16. So we are just getting really close to that empty nest season of life. And here we are, still in our mid-40s, so young enough to enjoy um, this season of life with our kids. And I remember that day that Tyler was born. I remember the awe of seeing him as he entered the world. He was was gray, and he was really still, very quiet. It was nothing like what I expected it would be having a baby. I thought they came out kicking and screaming, and he did not. And I remember feeling a sick wave of dread as I wondered if he was if he was even alive. I also remember my doctor remaining very calm as she untwisted the cord that was wrapped around his neck 
and she also told the nurse, I think we're going to need some oxygen over here. Her calm actions calmed me, but it seemed like the world stood still as I watched helplessly from my bed. There was nothing that I could do. The seconds that ticked by felt like an hour, but suddenly there was a quiet whimper, and my child was finally deemed healthy and whole, and he was placed in my arms. I embraced my first moments of motherhood. I I didn't know, though, at that time, that my de- my best days were ahead of me, but that so were my hardest. I remember laying there in the aftermath of delivery, the sweet weight of my baby resting in my arms and this abundant... Um, what ifs and how tos dancing through my head. Suddenly I was met with the gravity of a responsibility that I had never carried before. This child was mine to love, to nurture and guide. And it's easy words to say, but it's things that are not always easy to do. I couldn't have known then that the following decades would teach me the unpopular lesson that mothering requires getting comfortable with being uncomfortable, and that there's nothing wrong with that. So much of what we do for our children takes an emotional toll on us, and it requires energy, thought, and effort, and it demands time and attention. And from the very first cry on the first night to the multiple times checking their location on Life360 16 years later... We lose sleep over our little loves, and we are not always happy about it, but it is so, so worth it. So are you ready to get comfortable with being uncomfortable? Here we go. I have three points that I'm going to share with you today. Number one, get comfortable doing the hard things. There's a tendency for parents to find the easiest path to peace, but the easiest route isn't always the best. Whether it's tantrums over toys when they're two, or getting mad about video games at eight, or spewing angry words about an inappropriate relationship at 14, some of our options as parents is to battle, remove, distract, or placate our child's desires. The challenge comes in when we as parents stop to consider why we settle on any one particular mode of reconciliation. Is it because saying no is too hard? Is it because our child would be dissatisfied or unhappy or uncomfortable? Why are we as parents uncomfortable with our child's discomfort? I mean, it's a natural thing to want our child to be happy, but wisdom tells us that giving a person everything they want will not lead to their ultimate happiness. I understand those are counterintuitive and often unwelcome words. Yet the truth of the matter is that too often as parents, we choose a result for our children that momentarily appeases our own discomfort. And we do it all in the name of love. I had an uncomfortable moment one day when I realized that I was parenting out of my need to be comfortable because I hate seeing my kids feel sad and I delight in every moment that I can give them the desire of their heart. But at the same time, God has entrusted me with the responsibility of raising them to be healthy, productive members of society who choose to honor God with their lives. And I can't do that successfully if I parent out of a selfish need to never feel the pangs of discomfort from time to time. This truth hit home to me when my oldest was in junior high. He's a great kid. Somehow, though, as we were nearing those teen years, his personality was not meshing with mine at all. Try as we might, we seemed to only frustrate one another. 
I prayed over the situation, but I did not like what I was hearing from the Lord. Run with him. That's what I heard. What? Uh, no, <laughs> that could have been God or that I decided that that couldn't have been God because that suggestion was easily the dumbest idea I'd ever heard. And I prayed again, but still run with him is what I heard. If ever there was a time to be reminded that God's ways are not our ways, this was it. I bargained with God. How about a weekly ice cream date? Or maybe there's a project we could do together. Or maybe, maybe <laughs> my prayers, they just trailed off as I tried to imagine the pain and discomfort of me trying to run. Needless to say, God did not relent, and I eventually committed my four-times-post-baby, 30-something, out-of-shape body to begin training for a 5K with my eldest. I was at the heaviest weight I had ever been, and I hadn't ran in years. Never have I enjoyed running, and I definitely didn't think it was time to start enjoying it then. I can't tell you that I enjoyed those runs, but we started running together, and I can't even tell you what was said between the two of us. Probably very little because most of the time I was gasping for air. But I can tell you that something changed in our relationship. Suddenly, he, Tyler, became my cheerleader and my support. And he didn't seem to care that I couldn't run far or I couldn't run fast. But he was proud of me each time I reached a new goal. I remember the day that I finally could run an entire half mile without stopping. And I collapsed into the front yard. And he... He was cheering me on, and then the other three kids came running out of the house, and they were all so proud of me <laughs> that I could run a half mile. Um, the night before, I was terrified about the idea of it. It was something so foreign to who I was at that time. And I was like, dear Jesus, if ever there was a time for you to return, tonight is a good night. But guess what? I ran out the next morning, and I did. I ran that, and my kids were cheering me on. Tyler was the first one there to do it. For myself, I loved bonding with him over something that was uniquely ours. It was a time set apart from the rest of the family for just him and myself, and it was our thing. And as we slowly ticked those daily challenges off the calendar, I realized that I could be so much more than I ever imagined, both physically and as a mother. My fix-it plan, the ice cream, remember? It required very little from me, while God's idea seemed beyond my abilities. Yet on the day we crossed the finish line of our first 5K, I couldn't stop smiling. The dumbest idea in the world had turned out to be the very thing that bolstered my relationship with my son, even as my mind and body were strengthened along through the process. All in all, I had to admit that God knew what he was doing all along. Number two is get comfortable giving up guilty pleasures. What are the guilty pleasures in your life? As a woman of God, take inventory, or if you're a man of God, take inventory of your life and evaluate the areas that need to change. How is your mindset? Are you taking care of your body both physically, spiritually, emotionally, and mentally? Are you battling addictions? Are you the same person on Sunday morning at church that you are on Tuesday afternoon when the house is a mess and, and the kids are hungry? Sometimes we face the discomfort that requires us as moms and dads to set boundaries for ourselves. Boundaries that keep us from crossing lines that should never be crossed. Whether it is with the words we speak over our children and others, or by the actions we display in times of anger and frustration. And then there's the uncomfortable subject of immorality. We live in a culture that proudly 
proclaims the mantra that kids are resilient. But are they? Are we? I know I hit on this last season, but it, it's, I feel like it's something that can be said again. Because as a youth pastor, I tell our teens often to have grace for their parents because we are all just teenagers inside older bodies, right? We don't have all the answers, and we will make mistakes. However, I have yet to meet someone, young or old, who has been through the breakdown of a family that has come through without some measure of pain. Broken families happen, but we cannot use the overemphasized mindset that kids are resilient as an excuse for poor choices and bad behavior. Parents must ask themselves if the thoughts they are thinking, the places they are going, the friendships they are keeping, and the things they are doing are beneficial to the well-being of their family. Guilty pleasures, emotional affairs, and fantasies can all be indulged in secret, but it is much like filling our bodies with junk and expecting to be healthy without repercussions. Saying no to the things that bring pleasure is uncomfortable. We want what we want. I mean, actually, we feel like we deserve what we want. We've had a hard day, right? I deserve this. At least that's the message that we hear on a daily basis. But would we reconsider our choices if we could see the damage we do to our families, to our children, by refusing to set boundaries for ourselves? Be willing to break off those habits or relationships that can only lead to the death of your family. If it seems impossible, try asking God to help you with it. The hardest part is surrendering yourself to ask because God is more than willing to come to your aid. We cannot and must not expect children to come through a loss unchanged. Kids need to have a voice. They need to be heard. They need an advocate. Make sure you're listening to what your kids are saying. Take them to therapy. Actually, go with them to therapy. Listen to them which is different than talking to them. (laughs) Be willing to embrace the discomfort of hearing what they have to say when they are going through a difficult season. It may not be something that you can change, but being heard will speak volumes to your child. When facing a broken marriage, whether it's by your choosing or not, don't forget to address the pain and confusion in your child's lives. Each one is different and will, will respond different. And while there are no easy answers, we must be willing to push past our own pain in order to help them find healing as we point them to the Lord. All right, we're going to move on to number three, which is getting comfortable with being unpopular. It is not uncommon for parents to feel helpless when it comes to discipline. Let me say that again. It's not uncommon for parents to feel helpless when it comes to discipline. In a world full of opinions on parenting, discipline is the one area that can often feel the most difficult. On top of that, finding a balance between yourself and your spouse's parenting preference is also an added measure of contention at times. Parents would do well to remember that not one of us is perfect. And mathematically speaking, one unique child plus two unique parents equals zero one-size-fits-all answer, and we all need grace. Out of my four, I have one that only needed the look to get him back to walking the straight and narrow. He was devastated if he got in trouble. While there were others that at times didn't seem to care if I was unhappy with them, discipline for those children required a greater measure of capturing their attention. That doesn't mean that one was a better child than the other. They were just different, and that's okay. 
At the same time, we must all get comfortable with not always making popular choices when it comes to what our child wants. Feeling helpless, though, is not necessary. As believers, we have the benefit of raising our children alongside one who is omnipresent, omnipotent, and omniscient. That means that he, God, is everywhere omnipresent. He is all-powerful, which is omnipotent. And knowing all, and he knows all things. That's omniscient. And we have access to him every moment of every day. We have access to God every moment of every day. And he has access to our kids every moment of every day. And I love to remind my kids that they're being raised by a Holy Spirit led mother, so they better mind their P's and Q's. And I say that, I say it jokingly, but I know that they see the truth behind it. This is an uncomfortable prayer, but I pray often that the Holy Spirit will lead me into all truth when it comes to my children. Like I said, it can feel uncomfortable, but I have found that I prefer to know when my kids are getting off track sooner than later. And God is more than willing to show us when things aren't right when it comes to our children. After all, he loves them more than we do. And it is up to us then to be willing to hear and see those hard things For some parents, though, the greatest challenge comes then with doing something about it. I get it. I get it. I get it. I do. But parents, it concerns me how often that we allow our children to use their not yet fully developed mind, will, and emotions to make decisions that have long-term results. For For example, this might be an unpopular opinion here, but... Kids shouldn't be allowed to decide whether or not they will go to church or even youth group. Tim and I, we see this as our responsibility to find a church and youth group that meets the needs um, both spiritually and socially for our kids. And their job is to attend. They might not always like it, but we have been assigned the responsibility to train up our children in the way they should go. And this is how we approach that. Most parents require their kids to go to school whether they want to or not, and rightly so. They need teaching and training so they can live a productive life, right? So why do we cave when it comes to teaching and training that has an eternal result? Now, if they say they don't feel like they fit in, help them work through it. Reach out to their youth leaders. Get them involved in in serving maybe somehow in the church. I'm a huge, huge proponent of serving because I feel like serving often changes our outlook on life. I talked about serving in the friendship episode towards the end of last season. I think it was episode number 20, actually. If your children refuse to go to church, you do have options. You see, humans all have a personal currency, something that they place greater value on than most other things in their lives. This is, not, this is no different when it comes to children. So Tim and I look at it as it is our job to discover our, per- our children's personal currency and then use that to help point them in the right direction. This is where it can become complicated for the mercy-motivated parent, a.k.a. me. <laughs> when we know, we can know our child's personal, personal currency, and I'll explain this a little bit more here in just a second. Um, we can know their personal currency yet refuse to use this knowledge when parenting. But when we refuse to make unpopular decisions for the greater good of our child's life, we are in essence loving ourselves more than loving our child. 
So figure out your child's personal currency. Do they love video games? Do they love their smartphone? Do they love going shopping? Like what is it that they love to do that they would be super sad if it was not something that they had in their life? That's your child's personal currency. So let's say they refuse to get up and go to church with you on a Sunday morning. There goes their cell phone privileges or there goes that shopping trip they were hoping to have um, or a visit or a trip to the movies. You have to choose things that's going to actually speak to the child. Um, and this is where both moms and dads need to be involved at our home Tim is the one who is more of the disciplinarian, but I have to take a supporting role. And I don't, like I said, I'm mercy motivated. I don't always enjoy that. I, I never enjoy it. I never enjoy it, ever, ever. I, I just don't like the discipline process, but I know what results we want. And that means I have to be comfortable being uncomfortable, right? And so in those situations, as parents, you come together, you make a decision and you stick to the plan. So it goes back, like I said, to being comfortable doing the hard things. Working with teens, I hear the struggles parents are facing and I agree, parenting is hard, but we cannot blame it on, in quotes, this generation or any of the other poor excuses when we continue to allow them to make those choices, those negative choices, that we reward with smartphones, expensive shoes, and sleepovers. So study your child and be willing to remove their currency in order to capture their attention. But do it with love. Parents, kids have enough bullies in their lives. You don't need to be one more on that list. When needing to discipline your child, do it. But take a moment, talk to them, listen to them, Hear their heart. Let them know the reason why they're being punished. Your expectations for them to improve and the length of time that you plan to implement the punishment and then stick to it. Don't supplement their loss, though. Don't supplement their loss. I want you to hear this. Don't supplement their loss with something else that eases their pain. You can't take their cell phone away, but then let them use yours right? Otherwise, you are prolonging the struggle as you will have to do this over and over again. Make it painful enough, says the mercy-motivated parent with cringing. (laughs) Make it hurt enough to where it gets their attention in a short amount of time so that you don't have to do this again over and over again. Then during this time, it's a great time for you to try to connect with them. It's a good time maybe if they don't have their cell phone where you say, hey, you want to go on a walk with me or you want to work on this project with me or let's go visit grandma and grandpa or, or find a service opportunity within your community or church. Be present with them in their time of loss and you might be surprised at the closeness you both experience in the process. Parenting is not for the faint of heart. I tell the teens often that we are the first generation of parents to raise our kids with smartphones, so give us a break. And they laugh with me about it, but there's truth in it. We have so much access to more information than our parents ever dreamt of, yet we still struggle to get it right because we don't have a generation to look back at and see how they did it. But hang in there, parents. The seasons of parenting pass by. Some slower than others, I'll give you that, but they do pass by. 
don't reach the end of the child training years filled with regret for not having been willing to do the hard things. Doing hard things can sound negative, but it isn't meant to be negative. So much of what we do in life that brings about success requires the same guidelines with our careers, with our health, financial goals. So don't overlook the one that matters most. Our decisions today can impact generations to come. Be encouraged. You're not alone, and what you are doing matters. And at the end of the day, we must always remember that we have an advocate, Jesus himself. Does he always give us easy solutions? No, he might make you go running. <laughs> but he is faithful to give us the best solutions for our unique families. It is simply up to us to be willing to push out of our comfort zones and do what he has called us to do. to share this with a friend or on your social media accounts. In fact, tag me on Instagram and I'll be sure to reshare it in my stories. Also, don't forget to hit that follow button so you don't miss an episode. I hope that you were encouraged and inspired today. Always remember, your life has purpose, you have value, you are loved, and with Jesus, you can rise above your storm. Get out of the boat, friend. Let's walk on water.